Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We're in Luke 9 today, and we're talking about the Transfiguration. Yes. So it's a big... A big like word a with big huge meaning. Huge story. Yeah. Um, for us to hone in on, and I think that's probably all we'll get to talk about today. So. Yeah, I think so. It's just got so many. There's a lot of things going on here. There's a lot of things that people don't understand. A lot of reasons why we could spend some time here. So I think it'll yeah. be it's an so deep. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, before we get started, I just want to thank y'all for listening, mm-hmm. and thank you for sharing our podcast and oh, yes. just studying through Luke with us right now. Mm-hmm. We're having a great time, and we hope you are too. Mm-hmm. So, oh, go yes. ahead and get started. Um, and this is going to be, like we're saying, a passage that it, it doesn't get included in the other two synoptic gospels, which are Mark and Matthew, and so they both have versions of this. They all kind of... As they do with pretty much everything, they all kind of put their own spin on things, kind of have a couple right. of words that they use that the others don't use. Really Which kind I kind of love. Because, you, yeah, me too. Uh, we get different nuances. I don't know. Yeah. And let's let's just say, too, that that is a wonderful thing about studying the Gospels alongside each other. A lot of times is you will think that when you're reading one, well, you're reading them all. Yeah. We've got this weird thought in America, maybe, or maybe modern, maybe it's just a typical modern thought, I don't know, or maybe a typical thought throughout the ages, who knows for some Christians, is, well, there's four Gospels, so if you read one, you kind of read them all. Um, now, even if you know a little bit more of the Gospels, and you know enough to say that there's three of them that sound a lot alike, right. and then there's one that sounds quite different, so at least you want, you read one of those three, then you've read all of those three, mm-hmm. at least. Even that's not true. Yeah. And I, I know that we can read these stories and they sound very similar, a lot of the stories do, from one gospel to another. But sometimes the key to understanding the story is found in those small differences. Right. I just think um, we're so fortunate to have mm-hmm. all of these accounts that are going to come at it from different angles and have different emphasis. And so yep. it just gives us a fuller picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, yeah. they're all beautiful. They've all got great things to offer for us. And mm-hmm. so I'm enjoying going through Luke here and seeing Me what too. the differences are in how he's telling this story and how the other synoptic gospels, especially, are telling their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it is particularly interesting to watch what Luke's doing because Luke has all these many emphases uh, that are on Gentiles and the Gentile world, you know, we've got, that's been talked about a lot. That's the kind of emphases that Luke is making. He's also making a lot of emphases on women, a lot of emphases on people who are kind of lesser in society, um, not as popular, not part of the upper class, and so the, the ones who are relegated to the back row, that kind of thing, that Luke has a lot to say about them. All of that is true. What's interesting, too, is that Luke does have a lot of things that we might, you know, that maybe we've been taught are, are more Jewish sounding sometimes, uh, that he will bring up some things, use some things, and you might be thinking, well, wait, I thought he was a Gentile. Well, he is, but he's 
very well versed. He obviously and and, and Gentiles could be well versed in yeah. the scriptures. That's the thing. He could have that come day from a age. family who had either converted or were God fears. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Could have easily done that. So, and so could have been know. in the might have been in the synagogue for a very long time, listening to the scriptures, understanding them and how they're written, and had associated himself with God's people for a very long time before he came to know Jesus for all we know. But you can certainly hear that he knows what he's talking about when he's bringing in some of those emphases. And so today, whenever we're looking at this passage, we're going to have stuff like that jumping out at us. Names like Moses and Elijah. Um, Another word that's very interesting, I don't want to give it away too fast, that's used in here that both of the other gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, you would have thought might have used that word. And for some reason, they leave it behind, but then Luke brings it with him whenever he's talking about this. And it's a very, very neat word to to see what he's doing with it and try to understand it a little better. So we'll look at all those things uh, and just put all these pieces together and let Luke tell this story from his perspective. But I think we'll start by reading verses 28 through 36, and then we'll dig in. Okay. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Oh man, this is so exciting. (laughs) What a great, great passage this is. It really is. So they just, Peter has just confessed that they believe he or that he believes that this is the messiah yeah I, and i think he did speak for everybody yeah what right. you're implying there i think yeah. he had spoke did speak for everybody that they all all these other people are saying all these different things mm-hmm. but they're saying when pressed yes this is the messiah he's the christ you are you're him no question and then jesus goes into talking about his death mm-hmm. yes, and resurrection kind of redefining <laughs> right. what that means now to be the right. messiah to be the christ means i'm going to die yes. be raised and then talking to them about suffering that will come for them as well mm-hmm. yeah and then about so about eight days after peter has confessed mm-hmm. somewhere yes. in there i think don't Mark and Matthew both say six days? Um, Mark does. And and so, I, and I'm not 100% sure about Matthew. I can only say for sure that Mark does. Um, but Luke is the only one who says eight days, whether or not Matthew says And it, it says seven. about. Yes, right. He says about. And so we're wondering, okay, what does that mean? What is he doing here? Why would he even, 
are, are these accounts contradictory? Is one of them false? Should we not be reading one of these Gospels? Some people are going to, man, they look for any little inconsistency they can find. And then they say, see, the Bible is just full of errors. But if we will, you know, just trust that the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing through each writer. And there's so much in the, I mean, Luke has gone out of his way to make sure that his reader Theophilus understands that he has done his homework, that he has poured into everything he can to find the reasons why, yes, talk to many witnesses, to find out what exactly happened and to write it down accurately so that there can be an orderly account. So we come to a place like this and we go, okay, Luke has a reason for putting about eight days like he did. And so I'm thinking, you know, it's because whereas Mark is definitely trying to, he's trying to draw your mind back to Exodus chapter 24 verse 16 where it says that there are that there were six days that went by when Moses was up on the mountain uh, and the cloud was there right. and God was speaking right. and all of that all of that he's trying to draw that imagery together Mark is so when he uses six days his readers minds automatically run straight back to that moment now by using eight days about eight days, Luke hasn't really thrown us off of that track either. Yeah. We've still got the mountain. We've still got, and if we go back and read that, it's actually seven on the seventh day. Then they're, he's going up the mountain with Joshua, and so on the eighth day, God starts talking. He's not going to start ta- stop talking to him for forty days and forty nights. Him and Joshua, Moses and Joshua. So then he's talking from the cloud, and so really. Yeah, we're right in there. I mean, we're right in this same area. And They're both pointing to, to that picture, though. Yes, I think they are. Yeah. I think they are definitely pointing to that picture on Sinai with God, speaking from a cloud to the one that he has chosen to lead his people, who has just led his people out of captivity and is now going to take them to the promised land. Right. Boy, the, this is where the gospel writers want our minds to go. Right. Yeah. And um, they're going, and he takes only three of the disciples with him, Peter, John, and James, who are um, kind of the inner circle, it seems. Mm -hmm. They're starting to be together quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we actually just saw them when we were in chapter 8, verse 40 and following, when we see that Jesus is going to heal the woman with the blood flow right. the daughter of Jairus when he goes into Jairus's house it's very clear that he takes only Peter James and John with him in verse 51 so that's chapter 8 verse 51 so we're seeing that Jesus is kind of yeah if he's really he's really kind of trying to pull out an inner circle from the circle then Peter James and John seem to be the ones that he's really pouring some extra stuff into right and so they're going to go up on this mountain and it Jesus. says to pray, which Luke which is very, um, mm-hmm. no, this is a Luke um, only yeah. mention of going up to pray, but Luke mentions that a lot. He mm-hmm. says emphasis on prayer yeah. and um, we should be alerted because in Luke, when prayer is present, something is usually about to happen mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's significant. And so right. that's going to happen here. <laughs> and we can... Certainly, you know, we actually talked about this before once too with the Luke's constant emphasis on prayer, the prayer of Jesus and what Jesus does in his life that prayer leads to, like selecting the disciples, mm-hmm. like, you know, different things that have happened already. We saw it um, whenever 
whenever we, we just talked about, whenever Peter confessed him to be the Christ, right back in this same chapter, right here, chapter 9, verse 18, it was happened when Jesus was praying alone and right. he started talking exactly. to him about it. So, so here's another point where Luke brings out, oh, Jesus was a man of prayer. He was, he was taking him up on the mountain and then they were going to pray together went up on the mountain to pray and as, and then as he's praying that's when all these things start happening yes. as he's praying his face gets altered now that's where we get our that's where we get our um which it really just says the appearance of his face was other okay mine says altered Did you, no i mean in, oh, the, okay. in the original, original language. language yeah Okay. Uh, altered is probably a good word there, mm-hmm. but it just, it changed. Yes. Something changed okay. about the look of his face. But I liked that. The appearance of his face was other. I yes. just thought that was, oh. I like that too. Like maybe otherworldly. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hard to explain. I think whoever was telling Luke this and how he wrote it down, maybe he didn't have words to describe. Right. What it yeah. was. I can see that being the case. For sure. I like that sound of that too. That sounds interesting. His face was another. And so that's where we get our word transfiguration, of course. His face was yes. transfigured. His yes. face became he right. different. Um, and so so now his face is other and his clothing also becomes dazzling white. So his clothing changes too. Right. His face and clothes are completely different. That would have freaked anybody out. I yes. just keep thinking about Peter, James, and John watching this and going what's happening <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah um and and those white clothes of course that takes us back to places like daniel chapter 7 where god himself the ancient of days is clothed all in white right. and so we're not and, now, and we are going to get a, white clothes yeah eventually we will okay. have white clothes which of course because of the righteousness we've got from Jesus now um, and so so our white clothes are based on his perfection whiteness um, exactly. the purity if you will um, and so who and and behold two men were talking with him Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his and our says departure doesn't mm-hmm. it yes it is spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. This is a great verse. It really is. It's full verse. of all kinds of stuff I, that make me, I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. How did they know that was Moses and Elijah? <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, it just seems like they were just standing there talking, hanging mm-hmm. out. Yep. But they were speaking of his departure. Right. Which, as you know, you can go ahead and say it. It's the same. It's Exodus. It's, it's the, the word, word Exodus. There. I mean, you can even, you can almost read it, whether you can read Greek or not, because the letters look so much like English letters. You can read the word Exodus right, right in the right in the Greek Bible. Well, Mark, I love that. Mark and Matthew don't use that word, which we might find strange because we're like, wait, Matthew's writing to Jews. Of all the people who would appreciate the word Exodus, you would think it would be Jews. Um, and the word, the word does mean departure, going out. He's talking to to the to they are talking to him about his leaving, about his Exodus. going out, you know. Which yes. he's about to accomplish. Exodus. Which yes. is interesting to me because it's something he's going to accomplish. Yeah. Like if we just leave a room, it's not, <laughs> it's not accomplishing really, really so much. Yeah. But right. and leading of a, a people yes. out of bondage yes. is something that, there it that is. we accomplish. 
right. and that he's standing here talking to Moses and Elijah. Yeah. First of all, we see the immediate connection with Moses. Yeah. But Elijah also yeah. just left in a whirlwind. Yeah. Uh, he didn't right. die. He, so. didn't, he didn't die. And so that becomes interesting here because this whole Exodus idea and what and what um, Elijah accomplished was so such a monumental thing for the people of Israel because both of these guys, uh, both Elijah and Moses, accomplished a, a leading out of the people from captivity and exodus of the people from a captivity to not so much the the um, physical captivity that were they were in, although that was huge in Moses's day too. I don't want to take away from that, but there's no question that Moses too was leading the people out of spiritual bondage oh, yes. in Egypt. And that was the big deal that was being accomplished. So unlike unlike any other characters in the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah lead God's people out of spiritual bondage. If you'll go read the Elijah stories, you'll see that he, it was him against 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah, and he accomplishes an exodus for them. He leads them out from under the spiritual oversight of these evil prophets, these prophets of Baal and Asherah, and brings them back into Yahweh worship. Moses goes in and does basically the same thing in the midst of Egypt, in the heart of Egypt itself, right. where he's where we have, uh, you know, as you know, all the ten plagues. I mean, those that's just a way of talking about the powers of Egypt, those gods that were over those ten things, ten major defeated things. them all. Yes, they get defeated one after another by right. God, and uh, and Moses was the instrument that God used to do it. So Moses knows what it's like to fight against the powers of spiritual evil in order to free God's captive people. So does Elijah. Elijah knows what that's like too. So they both accomplished an exodus for the people. Yes, and now Jesus is about to, of course, more than either of them ever did, but but Jesus is still a human being here. So At this point, we don't really see the difference though. mm -hmm. I mean, we know, but of course we know. But, we know. but if you're just reading this for the first time, you would think, oh, well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You mean he's going to do something like Moses and Elijah? Right. But then as we read the story, it's yeah. clear that this is different. Yes. Clearly it's going to be different. And it's going to be bigger and greater and more and all, I mean, everything, all our expectations that far exceeded. And so we accept that, but here Jesus in his human form, knowing what he's headed toward, the best people he can talk to right now, I believe, are Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah in the Old Testament are also the only two who ever went 40 days and 40 nights without food, besides Jesus, without food and, food and drink. Jesus did and they did. Um, and so, and well, Jesus is 40 days without food, I guess is what it says. It doesn't say, I don't think that he went out and went without water, but for 40 days, he went without food. For 40 days and 40 nights, both Moses and Elijah went without food and water because it was miraculous. But anyway, they're the only two who even begin to compare um, in that way. Both 
of Moses and Elijah are in a cave alone talking to God in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is going to be a cave in a, in a tomb alone with God. Both Moses and Elijah's events have talk of death with God. Uh, right. And so in both of those events where they're on Sinai in that cave, and so they're with God, both Moses and Elijah are on Sinai talking to God, and you have uh, God's presence with them, just like he's present here. And both Moses and Elijah get threatened with death by the powers that be for trying to do what they're doing. Yes. And so sure, Jesus is going to go through that same event, only he really is going to die. Right. And, and through he's that He's going death. to be the true deliverer. Yes. yes. So it's no wonder that Moses and Elijah are the ones who will talk to him here. If anybody can help him with his feelings about what he's about to go do as a human being, they're the ones who can say, yes, I know what that's why. I remember what that was like. I remember how difficult it was. I remember feeling alone. I remember feeling overwhelmed by all the ones that were against me, all those who were against me. But I stayed true. I stayed faithful. I did what God wanted me to do. Um, you can do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think that's really... The, that's the key to understanding what's Very happening. Very powerful here. since he's just talked about this mm-hmm. with the disciples for the first time, telling yeah. them that this is going to happen to him. Yeah. And then that God would, um, I don't know, orchestrate a meeting like mm-hmm. this yeah. for him. Correct. Yeah. So good. I do wish that they had left the word departure as Exodus here. Better if so they too. would just write in the word Exodus there. I that's know they really think it, people would go the Exodus, but yeah. But I think that you'd be forced to think about it more. Right. And what is what is he trying to say? Um, now and then it says verse thirty-two. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, which the other authors do not say. Which is about very this intriguing passage. because if we see at the end of Luke in Luke twenty-two, mm-hmm. when they go to the Mount of Olives, yeah. With Jesus the night before the night he's betrayed, yep. the same thing is happening. They're all starting to fall asleep. They're up. falling asleep. You can't get them to wake up. Yep. Stay and awake. And he's telling them, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Um, here too, in this, in the midst of this, they are heavy with sleep. But when they come fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. So they're, they're saying, oh my goodness, look what's happening. Right, and, but it says they saw his glory. The other two weren't glorified. That's right. It doesn't say that. Which is there. really yes, interesting. That's right. It doesn't and say that. And I think that. telling. Yeah, I think telling too. Really kind of setting the hymn apart here. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. Because then we hear, and the men uh, were parting from him. As they were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. Which so, is interesting to all of us because we're going, what, what a weird thing to say. <laughs> of all the things. He really yeah. didn't know what he was saying. Truly. I mean, what, is he trying to set up tents? I don't understand. <laughs> it does so, sound so strange to yeah, us. This was always confusing to me. Yeah. Growing up, I was like, right. I don't know what, what that means. But. Well, there he's using the word for tabernacles. So, but like little the little memorial shelter that you would set up if you were celebrating the Feast of Booths, where they would go and live in these little shelters, remembering the time that they were in the wilderness and how God had kept their people safe all the way through the wilderness until they reached their promised land. And so, so there, he's using that word 
it's an interesting word for him to what does he mean by that does he mean we'll just stay here we can just stay up here right. with y'all and we can all have we'll a little camp. we'll set up a little shelter for all three of y'all and we can just stay up here and this will be a great place to be for a while is that we'll worship that all three means? of you yeah i mean that's this is where it gets weird because yes he says and this is why i think the word which we have translated like you said in our translation tense we it's important to look into this word because it means also memorials and so that's the idea behind celebrating the feast of booths this is a remembrance that you're doing it's like you set this up as a remembrance of what went on before and how god took care of the people so they're not so much tents or shelters as they are memorials things that draw your mind to what was before now I think when Peter says this, he has in mind the idea of a memorial. Why don't we set up three memorials here? In other words, to commemorate this incredible time when you, Jesus, and Moses and Elijah were all here in conference together. What an incredible time. We should commemorate and remember this, and people should be allowed to remember this forever. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Right. Because, and the reason I think that's so obvious why he's saying that is because of the very next thing that happens. Peter doesn't know what he's saying. It tells us at the end of 33, he didn't know what he was talking about. And then verse 34, God makes it clear to him. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son my chosen one listen to him that right there is God saying Peter you need to be quiet right now you're right. speaking out of turn you don't know what you're talking about no, you can't put these three on the same level there should not be three memorials Let of equal value for, for all three yeah. yes exactly it's not look at the three greatest men that God has ever used for Israel Moses Elijah and Jesus it is god says no that's not how it works peter you don't know what you're saying which is what the text is telling us what luke actually tells us peter didn't know what he was talking about so god steps in and says here's the thing jesus is so far above even moses and elijah that they don't even compare they just were pointers to him that's right that's, that's all right. this is saying. That's exactly what it's saying. That Moses and Elijah were just here to point to Jesus. Pointing and... to Jesus. He's the chosen one. Yes. He's the one you listen to. And that listen to yes. him probably goes back to Deuteronomy 18, 15, where Moses says, God's going to raise up one, one like me from your midst who will speak the very words of God to you. Listen to him. Right. So he so is the new Moses. He is very much the, the new Moses. The one the we've been waiting Moses. for. We've yeah. been seeing how he's going to take the throne in the line of David. Mm-hmm. He's going to be that Davidic king that we've been waiting for. And he's also going to be this Moses that they've been waiting for. A prophet like Moses mm-hmm. is yes. going to rise up. I absolutely think that's what's going on, for sure. And then when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. Probably another statement like the one that you were saying uh, that you heard earlier where it mentions his glory, but it doesn't talk about any glory of the other two. Here, right after God says, listen to him, everything is gone except Jesus alone. I just love that. Yeah, Yeah, so probably saying something. Jesus alone was standing there. He's the only thing that will be 
after everything else. Basically. That's right. That's exactly probably the spiritual statement that Luke right. is making here. So, yeah. And then it says, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Now, in the other, in Mark, say? Mark strictly <laughs> tells them, don't talk about this. Right. But Luke just says, they didn't talk about this. So, right. so we're getting our same yeah. thing, but without the command of Jesus here. But they very much uh, keep it to themselves until after, you know, the implication until after, certainly after uh, the resurrection and what they had learned from Jesus. I wonder later. if they thought they had had a dream, you know. Yeah, it's so strange. Afterwards. Such a strange thing to happen. Yeah. But how then could they you realize, get no, that was real. That really happened. Yeah. And how could you get into anybody to buy into it anyway? I, I know. If you did try to We were up somebody. on the mountain with Moses and Elijah, and Jesus was all glowing. And, and there was this cloud, and God's voice spoke from it. I mean, and people would think, what? You're making yourselves out to be like on a mountain with Moses, like mm-hmm. Exodus chapter 20 and following? Come on. We know. You're not that great. Know, so maybe they were like nobody will believe us and then only after Jesus is resurrected only after it's obvious that he is clearly the one that God has chosen forever do you start sharing that and say no it really did happen it was exactly what we thought it was um, so beautiful story and so well composed by Luke and once again we've been going toward who is this mm-hmm. man again, yes, who, yes. Who identity of Jesus and, and Peter identified him and then now we have God again, yes, identifying him yes. very clearly. Right, this is the one. No, make no mistake. If you were wondering if you were wrong about that, Peter, mm-hmm. let me, yeah, you know, reinforce this yes. is the one. Absolutely, I think so. Yeah. Now, next time when we get into verse thirty-seven and following, just a preview. You might as well go back and read Exodus again, Exodus chapter 32 again, whenever Moses comes down from the mountain there, he finds just how, right. finds out about just how faithless that generation is. Jesus coming down from the mountain here, and one of the things he's going to say is, oh, faithless generation, oh my goodness. And he used the very word. Yeah, right. he's going to feel like Moses coming down from the mountain being with God and then being like, oh my goodness, still? Are we, we're really going to have to still deal with this kind of thing, okay? Um, so that's it, it's a very interesting passage, but we'll take that next time. So glad you guys are with us. Love and sharing this with you. The Transfiguration is a beautiful story. You, you'll get a lot more insight from it if you'll stay in it for a while longer. But we will look forward to sharing more from Luke chapter 9 and verse 37 following when we're with you next time. God bless everyone. Have a great few days.